Luke chapter 7, we'd like to begin reading with verse 36 in this chapter. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, stood at his feet behind him, weeping, began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. And there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore which of them will love him most. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil, thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Let us pray. Father in heaven, as I bow before you today, Lord, I do want to thank you for another privilege that we have this side of eternity to be here with your people. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to preach. And, oh God, I realize that I'm nothing without you, and I pray that you would give me your power and wisdom and all that I need to honor you today. God, do show us your glory and manifest yourself to us and speak to us. Oh God, if there's one unsaved, I pray they'd trust you as Savior today. And Lord, if there's believers here that have unconfessed sin, I pray that it be dealt with and confessed. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you on God's forgiveness. Uh, the, uh, uh, there's different definitions of this. One uh, dictionary said forgiveness uh, is the giving up of resentment or claim to requital on account of an offense. The concordance says it means to send away. Webster defines it as to pardon, to absolve, to cease to feel resentment against. But uh, I like the definition a little boy gave better than any. And uh, his definition of forgiveness, and he said it's the scent the flowers give when they are trampled on. That's forgiveness. 
And uh, that's uh, the kind of forgiveness that we need. In this story, we have this woman, of course, they ate different than we do today. They would recline and their feet would be behind them. And here this woman comes into this Pharisee's house. The Pharisees were very religious. And uh, they uh, were careful not to have uh, any contact with, with these sinners. And, uh, but this sinner comes in, this sinful lady, uh, who had been a sinful lady, and she begins to weep and wash his feet uh, uh, with the hairs of her head. And of course, uh, because of this, the Lord is criticized. Why, if he knew who this was, if he were a prophet, he would know that this is a sinner. And uh, the Lord gives this story about these uh, two debtors who owed the creditor and uh, rebukes Simon, really, for his attitude. Uh, the common courtesy that, that was shown, he had not shown to Jesus Christ. Uh, they, of course, would, uh, in those the uh, areas dry, of course, in that part of the country, they have the rainy season, and then they have the dry season. And when they have the dry season, it don't rain at all. And it gets very dry and dusty. And uh, they wore the sandals and still do. And there, of course, uh, uh, it was common courtesy uh, to have a basin of water. And usually a servant took care of this to wash the feet uh, of the traveler to get the dust off of the feet. And, uh, of course, the common greeting there was the kiss. Uh, but uh, the Pharisee had not because the Pharisees really hated Christ. Uh, and the reason they despised him was because he, uh, he revealed what was in their heart. He revealed their hypocrisy and he knew them for what they really were. And they despised him for this. But we have a wonderful picture here of the forgiveness of God, of God's wonderful and marvelous forgiveness. We'd like to notice the basis of God's forgiveness. Uh, and that, first of all, is His compassion. In Psalm 86 and verse 5, For thy, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon Him. And then there's a couple of verses I want to turn to in Psalm 78, if you'd like to look at it with me. Psalm 78 and uh, verse 36, page 637. If you have a Schofield Bible, in Psalm 78 and verse uh, 36, uh, he, this psalm talks about uh, Israel and God's dealings with them and, and their uh, uh, rebellion. Uh, but in verse 36 of Psalm 78, Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Now, if you study this chapter, he, he reviews all the miracles and the blessings of God upon the nation of Israel. And, uh, but in light of all that, uh, they did not respond in, in the way that they should have. The Bible said they lied uh, and their heart was not right. But notice God's reaction in verse 38. But he, uh, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. But for he remembered 
that they were but flesh, a wind that passes away and cometh not again. And so here we have the basis of God's forgiveness is his compassion. But for the love and the mercy of God, we'd all be in hell today. I think it was Oliver Green who said there was something he thanked God far more than his salvation. And he said that, and, and it was that, that while he was a wicked sinner, God did not let him die and go to hell in that condition. God had mercy upon him and loved him while he was a sinner. The Bible said God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were, yes, sinners, Christ died for us. I don't understand how God could love me. You know, the marvel is not that we could love God, but that God could love us. And he forgives us on the basis of his compassion for sinners, not because sinners deserve his forgiveness. Then there's another basis for his forgiveness, and that is the condition of men. Now we have two illustrations here. In the parable, the Lord spoke to them, and he talks about this creditor that had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. A pence was about 17 cents. 50, 50 would be about $8.50, and 500 would be about $85. But the Bible said when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. I love that. They had nothing to pay. You know, if you're broke, it don't matter how much you owe. You can't pay anything. If you don't have anything to pay with, how large the debt is is not the question. Whether I owed $1,000 or a million dollars, if I don't have anything, what's the difference? It's hard. I think the lesson is uh, in, in uh, Romans chapter 3, he said there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's a, a feeling in many people's mind, well, I, you know, I, I'm not a drunk and, and uh, you know, I'm not a thief and, and I've not killed anybody and I try to be an upright citizen and, and uh, you know, I think I'll be all right. Well, the Bible teaches differently. It's not the, it's not the amount of sin that we commit, it's the fact that we are sinners and we have nothing to pay. As the song says, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling, O Lamb of God, I come. And that's the only way you can come. As long as we try to bring, as long as we try to bring something in our hands to the Lord, we will be rejected. God will not save anybody that attempts to save themselves. A person must come to that place of hopelessness. Grace is for the hopeless and that place where we have nothing to pay. And then we can come to Christ and receive his grace. They had nothing to pay, so he forgave both of them. There's another wonderful illustration in chapter 5 of Luke where it talks about the paralytic there. And Jesus was there in the house and of course there was no way to get in. The house was completely filled. And he was healing and, and teaching. 
And these four men, they bring this paralytic, this paralyzed man, and they cannot get him to Christ. So they go up on the roof, and of course you have to understand the roofs in, those, in that part of the country are flat roofs. They're not, uh, you know, as we have in this country, most of the, uh, you know, most of the houses people live in uh, have a pitch roof, but uh, the roofs are flat. And they go up and they take some of the roof off and they let Jesus, or they let the, the paralyzed man down through the roof in front of Jesus. Now the, the, the lesson is that the paralyzed man could do nothing for himself. He was completely and absolutely dependent upon those four men to get him to Christ. And the Lord heals him. And the Lord uh, takes care of of, of his need there and forgives him and uh, of course they criticize him there uh, for uh, forgiving. Who can forgive sins but God? Who is this that can forgive sins? And the Lord uh, proves his power to forgive sins by healing the man. And he takes up his bed and walks. But the condition of men, God's forgiveness, if God doesn't forgive us, we'll not be forgiven. All of man's efforts to, to uh, pay for his own sin are in vain. So the basis is his love for sinners, his compassion, and then the condition of men. And then he forgives us for Christ's sake. In Ephesians 4, 32, the Bible said that God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. 1 John 2 verse 12, I write unto you little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. God forgives us for Christ's sake. God cannot and God will not let us into heaven in our sins. And God can't pat us on the back and say, well, you tried, you know, I'm going to let you in. God can't do that. Or God won't. God can do anything, but God will not do that. It would violate His very holiness. Sin has to be paid for. And I can be forgiven for Christ's sake. I can be forgiven because my sins have been paid for. And when a guilty sinner bows at this altar or anywhere and confesses before God, they are a sinner they can be forgiven regardless of who they are or what they've done. They can be forgiven because the sins of the world are paid for already. Every sin has been paid for with the blood of Christ. And for Christ's sake, we can be forgiven. I read a story about D.L. Moody who was a great preacher, was not an educated man, was a shoe salesman, and, uh, but D.L. Moody is credited with winning a million souls to Christ. Think of that, a million souls to Christ. What is their excuse going to be? Some folks have never won one soul. Oh, I'm not educated. <laughs> he could have used that. But anyway, uh, he was preaching in this city, and, and this lady uh, who was a Christian... Uh, whose husband was a judge, asked uh, D.L. Moody if he would go talk to the judge, her husband. 
He said, lady, I'm, I'm not qualified. I'm an uneducated man. I, you know, I could not talk to your husband, a, a well-educated man. But she insisted, so he went and, and uh, talked to the man. And he told him, he said, I, I'm, I'm not educated. But he talked to him about the Lord, and he said, uh, the, the judge was a Unitarian. And he said, if you're saved, if you, if you ever get saved, I'd, li I'd like to know about it. Well, about a year later, the judge was saved. And the Elmuda was back in the city. And he related to him the story. He said, I couldn't sleep one night. And he said, I was troubled all night. And then I uh, went to my office and I sent the clerks home and I went in my office and closed the door. And he said, I was still restless and I was troubled and I could find no peace. I didn't know what was happening. And he said, finally, I got out on my knees and I said, oh God, forgive me of my sins. But he said, I found no peace. And I called and called, oh God, forgive me of my sins. But he said, I found no peace. And being a Unitarian, he did not believe in the atonement, did not believe in praying in Jesus' name, but he said in desperation, I said, oh God, in Jesus' name, forgive me of my sins. And he said, the peace of God flooded my soul and I was born again. And that's the only basis that God forgives sins is for Christ's sake. God does not, God, listen, God will not forgive sin. There is no basis, there is no basis. Nobody can claim, nobody can claim forgiveness of sins except they come through Christ. That's why Muslims will not go to heaven. It's impossible unless they come through Christ. Mohammed, absolutely, you know, or Mary or, or, or any, anyone else that's ever lived. Nobody, nobody, God will not forgive sins any other way on any other basis except for what Christ did by his payment on that cross. The offering of his blood is the offering, the only offering that satisfies a holy God. And then there's another basis and that is confession. That's confession. In Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. I want you to turn your Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. 2 Chronicles and, uh, and chapter number 6. That's page uh, 495. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And you have uh, the dedication of the temple here under King Solomon. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 25, Solomon is praying. And he said, Then hear thy from the heavens and forgive the sin of thy people Israel. Verse 27, Then hear thy from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel. Verse 30, Then hear thy from heaven, thy dwelling place, and forgive. And then... Uh, uh, in uh, verse uh, 39, again he says, Then hear thy from heaven, uh, from the heavens, 
even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. So we find in, in five verses here, verse 21, 25, 27, 30, and 39, Solomon is asking God to hear and forgive. And then in chapter 7 and verse 12, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, notice, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. God says, you want me to hear? You want me to forgive? These are the conditions. Now he's talking to his people here. He said, if you'll humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, God said, then I will hear and I will forgive. So forgiveness is based upon confession. It's based upon an admission of guilt for the person that is unsaved. It is based upon a repentant heart, a change of mind, and a willingness to be forgiven, a willingness to be cleansed of the condition, an admission of guilt. That's what it is. I am a sinner. I admit it. You know, if you can get that far with a man, you're halfway home getting him saved. You know, the hardest thing in the world in our day is get folks to admit that they're guilty. That was the problem of the Pharisees. They were just as, that Pharisee was just as lost as that sinful woman but he won't admit it. And he probably died lost. And so the sinner, it's an admission of guilt. And for the believer, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means we agree with God. I admit my wrong. I agree with God. I say the same thing God says about it. God says it's a sin, I say it's a sin. Not, I don't see anything wrong with it. We don't use that excuse. No, the Bible says it's wrong, I agree it's wrong, and I confess it and forsake it. God will forgive us. Then the extent of God's forgiveness. In Psalm 103 and verse 3, He said, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Praise God who forgiveth all thine iniquities. The extent of God's forgiveness, it reaches from the uttermost to the uttermost. God knows nothing about venial or mortal sins. You know, if you die with uh, a venial sin that, uh, you know, you go to purgatory and get those purged out of you, and then you get to go to heaven. That, though, that's an invention of man. No Bible to support that. God said nothing about that. A mortal sin will put you in hell uh, uh, where there is no hope. I want to say that God forgives all sin. All of it. 1 John 1, 7 said, The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 
I want you to know when I got saved, he washed it all away. He cleansed it all. He paid for it all. And the sins that I may commit as a believer have to do with my fellowship with Christ, not my relationship. My sins are paid for. My sins are gone. They're all gone. Isn't that wonderful? That's great. If you could ever get a hold of that, you'd get excited about it. But we, we're, we're so familiar with it sometimes that we don't realize what we have in Christ, that, that we're forgiven, that God has cleansed us of all sin. His blood paid for it all. I'm not saved, uh, you know, I'm not saved on the installment plan. Some people think they're saved on the installment plan. They've got to make payments on it. I mean, he paid cash, so to speak. It is, it's paid for in full. People say, you mean sins you haven't already, you haven't committed yet? Yeah, they're all paid for too. How could that be? Well, when did Christ die on the cross? When did he pay for your sin? Is it a continual crucifixion or did he pay for him 2,000 years ago? Nearly. When he died on the cross, he paid for the sins of the world. All the sins from Adam on up to the time he died and all the sins of everybody to ever be born and ever live from that time on, he paid for all of them. Did he or didn't he? Yes, he did. He even paid for future sin. He paid for all my sins before I ever got you here. And when I accept that payment, thank God he just wipes the slate clean. I think the greatest illustration, these, uh, I guess they still make them. The, uh, I used to see them when I was a kid. And uh, I can't think of what they're called, but you, you can write on them, you know, and it has a little film, and you just pull it up, and it just disappears. And you can write something else on it. And that's what Jesus did. I'll tell you, that, that it was written full of sin, you know. It was full of sin, and the Lord Jesus just pulls that up, and I have a clean slate. That's what he does for us. The extent of his forgiveness. In Jeremiah 31, verse 34, he said, I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Colossians 2.13, having forgiven you all trespasses. The extent of his forgiveness reaches to all with one exception. And this seems to be a contradiction, but it really isn't. And that is the limit of God's forgiveness. Is there a limit? Yes, I believe there is. Some disagree with this. Uh, this is a very controversial uh, subject uh, among Bible, Bible preachers. But I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12 and uh, verse 31. And he says, Wherefore I say unto you all manner of sin and blasphemy, shall be forgiven unto men, but the blaspheme against the Holy Ghost 
shall not be forgiven unto men, and whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now the blaspheme of the Holy Ghost, what is this sin? You know, I've, uh, I've heard all kinds of explanations. Common explanation is rejecting Jesus Christ. That if you just reject Christ, then you've blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Some say it's suicide. Because if you kill yourself, then you're dead, so you can't ask forgiveness, so, you know, you can't go to heaven, they say. Well, the only problem with that, with that theory, you know, what if you have an evil thought? The Bible said the thought of foolishness is sin. What if you have a foolish thought and you die for you could ask God to forgive you? You'd be in the same shape if that's true. Well, that's not true. Well, what is it? Well, you know, it's exactly what the Bible says it is. Instead of trying, instead of trying to explain it away, just, just accept it as God said it. Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So you commit it with your mind. You commit it with your tongue. According to this, you speak it. And uh, James talks about the tongue. He says the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. The tongue is the only member of your body that you can commit a sin with that you can't be forgiven. Now the Holy Ghost is God. And God is the one that brings conviction. God is the one that brings about the new birth. And when a person blasphemes the Holy Spirit until the Holy Spirit will not deal with them, how can you be saved? You can't. In Matthew 27, 39, where it means to revile. In 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 13, where it means to defame. In Romans 3, 8, means to slander. And in Matthew 12, 31, where it means to insult by blasphemy. Now, if you read this in the context, the Lord Jesus is casting these devils out and healing. And the Pharisees, the religious crowd, they say that while he's doing it, through the power of Be Beelzebub, the prince of the devil. And, wh and, and, and what they're really doing, Jesus was doing it through the power of the Spirit of God. And what they are doing, they're calling the Holy Spirit a devil. And Jesus is, says to them, you have committed a sin that you'll never be forgiven for. You have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. He says, you can speak against me. You can speak against the Father. But if you speak against the Holy Ghost in a blasphemous way, that he will not deal with you, you can never be forgiven. Now let me say this. No believer can blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Only an unbeliever can blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Now, it said it will not be forgiven him neither in this world, neither 
in the world to come. When I was in school, I was taught that that uh, that this was uh, talking about that age, you know, when Christ was upon this earth. That was could only be committed in that time. But when I read the book of Mark in chapter 3, I had problems with that. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 28 where he talks about the, first, the same thing. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men and blasphemies wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, notice what he said, hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Never forgiveness. They say, well, it's only in this age and the age to come. But Mark says, hath never forgiveness. So that, that you know, uh, that don't leave any opening for this life or the life to come. There is no forgiveness. That is the only limit that we find in the Word of God. Now in Revelation 22 and verse 11, it said, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. You know, forgiveness must be received in this life. All forgiveness must be received in this life. There is no forgiveness beyond the grave because Revelation teaches if you die unjust, you stay unjust. If you die filthy, you remain filthy. Let, he said, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And you read that in Revelation 22 and you're going into the, into the eternal age. Now people that preach there's hope out there somewhere, somebody can pray for you and someone be baptized for you and all these other inventions of man, the Bible does not bear that out. The way, the condition you are in eternity, when, 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 when a person faces eternity is the condition they stay in. He that is righteous let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. And I'm glad that'll never change. <laughs> but the condition you leave this world in is a condition you're going to stay in forever. I want to close with this uh, little story here. This old sign of God was dying. <clears throat> and... Uh, the Catholic priest uh, came to visit her and he said, I have come to grant you absolution. Well, she didn't know what he was talking about. She said, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? He said, I have come to forgive you of your sin, of your sins. She said, let me look at your hand. He held his hand out. She said, there's no print of the nails there. You are an imposter. <laughs> well, it bothered the priest, you know. What do you mean? She said, the one who forgives sins has nail prints 
in his hand. But I want to say to you that he can forgive. He's willing and ready to forgive all sin. There's another story I'll, I'll use. I won't use it, but I think it's fitting. Uh, this, this infidel, back in the day, is one of the great preachers. <clears throat> he was preaching outdoors, and this infidel, he had, the crowds had come, and he was, he was amazed, you know, that all the people would come and hear this fellow. So uh, he went out and climbed up in a tree uh, to just see what was going on. But he was intent on, uh, on not listening. So he put his hands over his ears real tight. But while he sat up in the tree, this fly began to fly around his nose. <laughs> and the fly began to bother him. And he took his hand, he took his hand off of his ear to swat the fly. And when he did, the preacher said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. <laughs> and he was so amazed. Of course, he was reading the scripture, you know, commenting on the scripture there. And then it goes on and said, They have closed their ears and, and so forth. And it, was, it, it made such an impression upon the infidel. Anyway, it led to his salvation. And he received the forgiveness of God. God's forgiveness... There's no limit except the one thing we mentioned there. He forgives all sin. And he's ready and willing to forgive. Let's bow our heads, please.